Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Watch It, Bro. I am Tristan. And I am Marshall. And we are two brothers who love movies and like to talk about them. So we have decided to come together and make a podcast where we do just that. Our goal is to take you through an adventure of some of our favorite movies growing up, some of our favorite movies currently, as well as some movies that we have yet to see. How does that sound to you, Marsh? That sounds fantastic. And for our first episode... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, why don't you tell the people what you chose for our first movie? So, being that this is my idea, I chose Tommy Boy as our first movie that we're going to talk about. And uh, Tommy Boy, 1995 film, came out March 31st of that year. It was directed by uh, Peter Seagal and written by Bonnie and Terry Turner, who would give us Third Rock from the Sun and that 70s show, which I didn't know. Interesting. Yeah, it was produced by Lorne Michaels, who gave us Saturday Night Live. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, because that was like the height of David Spade and Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And uh, from, from what I've heard, like Lorne Michaels just threw money at it and said, here's a script, here's the plot, do it. And so there was a lot of like free reign for Chris and David to uh, do a lot of jokes and ad-lib a lot and do a lot of throwaway jokes, which actually ended up being in the movie. And, uh, but yeah, like this was our, our main introduction to Chris Farley, as well as like the world's introduction to Chris Farley's movie career, unfortunately short-lived uh, movie career. Less than three years after this movie came out, Chris Farley died. That's sad. Yeah, it was, I mean, this came out March 31st, 95, and he died December 18th, 1997. I, I definitely remember like the Chris Farley movies lasting a lot longer in the 90s. But he only made four though, right? Yeah, there was only there was only four in which he uh, that he starred in. Um, I guess he had a pretty big role in Coneheads. I never saw that one, but if you on this Wikipedia, it says he's known for Coneheads. So I guess he had yeah. at least a little bit in that one. And it was in Billy Madison, if I remember correctly, too. Yes, he was uh, the bus driver <laughs> in uh, <laughs> in Billy Madison. A horrible, horrible bus driver. He was definitely planned to be uh, bigger involved in the Adam Sandler films. I'm sure. Almost likely. Anyway, Tommy Boy, getting into it, a brief synopsis of the movie is uh, Tom Callahan III inherits his dad's auto parts company, and in order to keep the company running and to save the town of Sandusky, Ohio, he and his childhood acquaintance slash maybe friend Richard must hit the road and sell the new brake pad line. So a, a classic 90s road trip movie. Yes, and you know what? Road trip movies were actually quite popular there's been a lot of really good ones out there there's like three chris farley road trip movies <laughs> i mean the first the first road trip movie i remember ever seeing was uh planes trains and automobiles yes yeah yeah i was actually gonna go dumb and dumber but you're right planes trains and automobiles i mean that was even first. even though there's the the scene with the ridiculous swearing from <laughs> steve martin we uh we watched it as a young age because dad dad loved it Yes, Dad did. Well, and then uh, he always tried to catch it on cable because they, you know, edit that part out. Right. Definitely make it better for our little ears. Yes. And then they actually extended the scene on the airplane with uh, the guy that coughs a bunch. Okay. They, they do another scene with that. I was going to throw in a fact about playing trades and automobiles, but we'll save it for uh, that episode. 
<laughs> Wait, let's let's do Tommy Boy and then uh, go off on a tangent of planes, trains, and automobiles. That sounds fun, doesn't it? I, I feel I feel like this podcast is going to have a lot of tangents. It might, yeah. We have problems no. staying focused. We do, and for our listeners, we have no idea what we're doing. I certainly <laughs> have I certainly have zero idea how to how to do this, and so I'm just well. This is your first podcast, right? This is this is my first ever podcast, even being on one. But I do listen to some rewatch podcasts. And I do like the structure of the scene by scene and the kind of like breaking down the movie as you go through it to give you, it helps with a visual, like a visual uh, remembrance of the movie, kind of, kind of Makes playing sense. it in your head. So I'm going to borrow that for this episode and we'll see if we like it and we'll see if it works or not. And we'll just, we'll continue to adjust as episodes come out and we record and we get feedback. I guess, yeah, we'll drop the socials right now if you want to email us. It's watchitbropodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchitbropod. That's all I have right now as far as socials or, or communication-wise. <laughs> that might may grow. That may shrink. I'm not big on the social media, so so, so we'll, we'll see, see what from happens. there. We'll see what happens exactly. What do you think? You want to get into the movie now? Yeah. Yeah, let's get into the movie now. All right. Let's get into the opening. Oh, the, the flashback scene? Of, the flashback uh, scene, yeah. Of so young it, Tommy headed to school? Yes, so we got we got young Tom Callahan climbs down from his treehouse late for school, face first into the sliding glass door, which is, you know, definitely a foreshadow of who Tom Callahan is or Tommy Boy is. Then it goes on a little montage, if you will, of various mishaps of him hitting running through sprinklers, oh. being chased by a dog. Yeah, it, it's a it's a short jaunt of slapstick through the town to get to get to school, basically. Yeah, and then we meet Richard right off the bat, who rides by on the bike and makes fun of him. Yeah, and then he's Tommy Boy is chasing the school bus and gets enveloped in a uh, cloud of smoke, and we are suddenly met with it transitions over to him being an adult. Where we continue the slapstick. Yes. Where we continue the, the slapstick montage. As he goes to class. As he goes to in, class at college. In college. Yeah. Right. And I, looked, I paused there because I totally forgot to talk about who is in the movie. Chris Farley. Oh. We have David Spade, Brian Denny, Bo Derek, and an uncredited Rob Lowe. Which, okay. is, as far as like an uncredited role, this seems like a pretty major role <laughs> to just be like, meh. <laughs> yeah, he's he's I don't, the I don't want people to know I did this. <laughs> was there any information about why he was uncredited? Was he at the end he's like, yeah, I shouldn't have been in that or he's like, eh. I don't know. I haven't I haven't actually heard anything about it. And I did I did uh, I read his autobiography too, and it I don't recall it mentioning why he was uncredited, but he did mention that he was uncredited. Okay. Which is odd. So Anyway, back to uh, the the movie. We we see Tom Tommy at the door to his classroom, and it's locked. And he's desperately trying to get in. And uh, one of his classmates comes behind him and pulls the door and opens it. After he's yeah, and he notices, and then therefore walks in. And yeah, this is a I don't want to say classic '90s movie, but very of its time with the comedy and the the pacing of it yeah i'd say it's um i would almost consider it kind of like a, a transitional comedy to where you're kind of like it's phasing out 
the slapstick that was popular in the early 90s with your Home Alones and like your Daniel Stern kind of movies of like Rookie of the Year where, you know, guy falls down, guys gets hit with something, you have funny sounds, like they're phasing out the funny sounds and then they're moving kind of over into what was coming next in comedy with like rapid fire jokes almost. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, it's definitely had its fair share of slapstick. And if I remember right, his next movie, uh, Black Sheep, is basically mostly slapstick. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, well, yeah, maybe not transitional as like. But I, I, I do know what you mean. It's it's bringing in more of the rapid fire jokes where earlier on, even even like the eighties and. Things got to breathe a little bit more. You'd see the the all the the comedies from back then. That you get a joke and then a moment or sight gags a lot more than just go go go. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's definitely the mid to late '90s is where. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much where slapstick ended. Was the the late '90s? I think. Uh, possibly. I mean, you're you're always going to get the the comedies that have the. A slapstick shot here or there, but yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of the the slapstick is is, or at least the the physical comedy like that is at least took a departure for a while. It did, I think, definitely. But you know, comedy is always evolving with each generation, so it's the natural course of things. Uh, it's a true testament to the uh, to the writing and the actors when a movie that's in a, in a dated comedic style still holds up. 20 almost 30 years later true but then you've also got the sensibility too. do kids nowadays find the great outdoors or what about bob funny uh, is it a different type of comedy that's than what you got nowadays my kids do that's good what my one of uh yeah i got four kids and they uh all of them love what about bob so i mean it's that's all that's a classic but we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that so, so we're at, we're <laughs> we're in the exam hall. Tommy gets his test. And... We're like three minutes into the movie and twenty minutes into the podcast, <laughs> right? It's it might be like that. We we might have to change to a different format than doing this scene by scene. <laughs> but or we yeah or or try and rein it in a bit more. <laughs> yeah, or I'll just I'll just remove a lot of this blabber in uh in post. Yeah, we'll see. We we'll we, see we don't need the podcast to be as long as the movie. Or, yeah, but I hope it's not. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I like hearing me talk, so I like I like these. Maybe other people will like it, too. But, so, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So Tommy's taking his test. He uh, First question about the Declaration of Independence. Blank Hancock. He, Herbie. Herbie. Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock. He looks worried and then confidently <laughs> remembers that, that Herbie Hancock signed the Declaration of Independence. And we fast forward from there to grades being posted and we see that tommy gets a d plus and celebrates and starts hugging random people which i i wonder is that he doesn't get a lot of d's (laughs) yes uh, (laughs) yeah he doesn't get a lot of anything higher than a d either but it's just in in moments like these where you just kind of do you just let chris farley loose is that was that the general thing and ad lib because that that kid he hugs and then, like, grabs him by the shoulders and says, I wish we'd known each other. This is a little awkward. Like, that kid looked like it had no idea that was going to happen. Yeah, I, I would I would say there there's probably some improv on, on his part at that point. Just let him go, see what 
direction is act excited and he just goes for it. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, with with Chris Farley, at what point do you rein it in? When he's done and then you edit around him. <laughs> Fair. Okay. So after, you know, he cartwheels down the hallway, very nimble for a man of his size. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's quite nimble and athletic. Uh, but so, yeah, we um, it kind of he runs down the hallway after cartwheeling and uh, we go to him. It's had a part of party with his friends. They're reminiscing about their future at the frat house where, at, where they're all staying. In. And he's he's been in college for, what, seven years, they said? Seven years. Yes. Okay. And uh, we see uh, yeah, him uh, partaking in some less than legal things at the time. <laughs> legal now. Legal now. Yes. Yes. So he gets up. He makes a toast, you know, congratulating himself and the rest of them on graduating. And passes out and falls through the coffee table. Yes. At which at which point that scene's en- scene ends, and we are now at the airport in Ohio with Tommy getting off the plane, and Richard is there waiting for him. To pick him up. To pick him up. And, you know, Tommy gets off, and he's like, oh, I thought my dad was going to pick me up or be here. And Richard says, he was for your first flight that you missed. Uh, and th- this is all, I guess ways of showing who Tommy is. I mean, right. Richard saying he misses first flight. You see his luggage, which is a duct tape garbage bag. Yes. And it, it's, it's the subtle things like that. That's like, okay, this, this is who this guy is versus being told exactly what he is at the, at the show. Don't tell. Right. So you, right. you're seeing, you're seeing how he is. You're seeing his, his lackadaisical carefree life. You're like, whatever. Like, oh, I missed a plane get the next one right um, and then it, it's also it's also introducing us to to who richard kind of grew up to be and what what his whole like personality is at the same time he's more very serious doesn't you know it's time to grow up right and doesn't have a lot of respect for tommy at all he's just it's his job because he's you know big tom's right hand man and he just does what he's told and doesn't make a fuss yeah so yeah, after that, it shows them driving, and then they're driving through the town, going to, to uh, Callahan Auto Parts, the factory. Right, where you get an idea of what the, what shape the town is in. Other businesses, local businesses, have been closed down, bought out. It's like a dying town that's thriving on this one company at this point. Basically, yeah, they're setting up the importance of the plot of the film. Yes. Going forward, and then we go from a tour of the town to a tour of the factory where they set up the factory and how the business is a, is very family oriented with you know first you know you got Tommy's dad talking about his grandfather built the company his grandfather ran it his dad ran it his wife ran it you got the six family members that are all the same actor just painted differently <laughs> yes and you know and then you know he's very much it's going to be a family business come hell or high water and then it goes from there to them touring the factory and and Tommy interacting with everybody and them congratulating him on graduating college. And so it sets up that like even the employees are are more of a family than just business. Right, right. That it it's it's important to the company to take care of its people. Um, and we're treated to some more of uh, Chris Farley doing Chris Farley stuff throughout the factory, having fun, getting hit with stuff. Very classic Farley. Very classic Farley over the top, but like not 
not in a way that that you roll your eyes at one that you can actually enjoy there was one part you know they're, they introduced the new brake pad line and the guy goes oh yeah they're the future of brake pads i get tears in my eyes just thinking about them and immediately i'm like no no, no you don't nobody gets tears in their eyes thinking about brake pads that's not a thing people do. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, there might be somebody somewhere. That, no, <laughs> you don't just sit there and like ponder brake pads and like your eyes well up with tears. That just doesn't happen. Excited or whatnot, but you ain't crying over over a new line of brake pads. All right, all I'm right. sorry. And then we go to Tommy's office. They're walking out of the elevator, and and Tommy says, "Oh, can I uncover my eyes?" And his dad's like, oh, I told you not to cover them in the first place, son. It's like it's just a little subtlety that adds. And that, that's one thing that Chris probably did a lot is he would add these little nuances or these little these little things of himself, I think. I mean, I didn't know him, but I, I would assume, based on everything I've seen, that he had these little things of himself that he thought were funny that he would just do, like randomly covering yeah. his eyes. And it's just his comedic choices, they were they were always pretty good, I thought. And that one was one of my favorites. It's just a, it's a cute little joke. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. And so yeah, we basically we set up Tommy in his office. Richard comes in and says, "Oh, I need your John Hancock." And Tommy, of course, being the college graduate <laughs> that he is, feels the need to, to very confidently correct him, to John Hancock, and scoff at him, and and tell him that it's in fact Herbie Hancock. It was we get our first callback. Yes. <laughs> Our first callback to an earlier joke. And there's there's a few of those in here. I did not make note of them, so I hope you did. Oh, no. that's well, if, if we think about it, we'll put it out. Yep. And if you watched it and you noticed, well, good for you. <laughs> Tell us what we did wrong. <laughs> Again, you got, you got the email address, right? <laughs> I think it was the right one. I actually don't have it on me, and I haven't used it yet. Uh, but yeah, It yeah. should be fine. It should be fine. If, if if not, we'll correct it in the next episode. Or in post. Or no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that in post. Let's see. And so and then we go from there to we meet Rob Lowe's character. He's coming in on a Greyhound bus. He just looks like a jerk. Yeah. Like his like the the first two things he does is like punch a kid in the face and chuck an empty <laughs> milk carton into a baby carriage. You know, it <laughs> I was noticing that. Like, man, this guy looks like a jerk. He's drinking chocolate milk. <laughs> <laughs> and then he discards it in a baby carriage, which you don't see a lot of these days anymore. It's mostly just strollers. But, like, the kid making faces on the bus, like, he ha- felt the need to reach up and, like, smash him through the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's indicating his character right out the bat. You're like, okay, this guy's kind of a jerk. What's going to be his deal? Is he going to be the main antagonist? Is he just going to be a jerk to Tommy? Uh, what what are we what are we going to see from this guy? Right, because it's not established who he is yet. Because we meet we meet him before we're even introduced to to the next character. Right. So out the bat, it gives off antagonist vibes. Like this guy's going to be a problem for Tommy, or just a problem in general. Definitely. Speaking of the next character, we are then taken over to Big Tom's house. And once again, Tommy has his eyes covered and says, can I open my eyes now, Dad? And his dad, of course, responds, quit covering your damn eyes. Hey, there's another callback. <laughs> there's another callback. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we got two. There's two we know for sure. <laughs> so hopefully we can keep on this trend of noticing. 
So we meet Beverly, Big Tom's fiance, I guess. We find that out when they go into the house and catch up. She announces that she has a son who is going to be Tommy's brother. He gets ridiculously overjoyed. He's always wanted a brother. And... Always wanted a brother. And then right on cue, guess who's at the door? His new brother. Paul. The Paul. <laughs> yes. Who I, throughout the whole, my note taking, I just kept writing Rob Lowe. <laughs> because I kept forgetting his name was Paul. Because they, they never use it. They never use his name except for he introduces himself and then at the end of the movie. Other than okay. that, he's just it's he's just brother. there. Yeah, it's just it's just Chris yelling brother at him over and over again. Yeah. But I think we come to our first one of our most quoted lines of Tommy Boy is the brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. <laughs> Which he delivered so well and then proceeds to hug Rob Lowe. And Rob Lowe, just the, the, the performance of just being so bothered by this guy. And over it already. And over it already. <laughs> maybe that's why he wasn't accredited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but maybe he wasn't actually acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we're um going, they're driving around the town and Paul's asking, is there anything to do in this town except eat? Right, right. They uh, they go out for some brother bonding. Brother bonding. Uh, one of many many uh, weight jokes about Chris Farley that are that are plagued throughout this movie. I mean, that's definitely. I mean, especially in the '90s, that's that was a go-to for larger actors. But yeah, so they're driving, and uh, Paul's looking for something a little more dangerous, and so they, uh, Tommy's like, "Oh, you've never been cow tipping before." And we go to them in a field. Well, actually, I, I messed that up. They uh, He asked for something more dangerous, and Tommy goes, Oh, uh, oh the danger you can handle, bro. <laughs> and it's the camera's on them, and they're staring out at what something we can't see. And Tommy's and the, like, oh, which... I going to say, the look, the look on Rob Lowe's face is, is I mean... Uh, priceless. Like we said before, he does a good job of the disinterested and over it look, and he's he looks like he's over it already. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's so good because because Chris Farley just looks so excited to yeah. be sharing this experience with his new brother or soon to be new brother, and so it, but they do it is kind of a misdirection, a mislead of like what are they, where are they, what are they looking at? You know, he goes, well, what do you want? Do you want the one on the left or the one on the right? You know. And uh, then, of course, you know, Rob Lowe breaks that by, uh, well, does it matter? <laughs> and then we it reveals, oh, you've never been cow tipping before? I can't believe that. And it's still debatable whether or not cow tipping is a real thing that people do or not. So if anyone listening... <sighs> is it debatable? Knows, they, they're, I, I actually looked it up and Googled it. And <laughs> I, it, it, was, it came back inconclusive. That it might be possible, but it's not a thing people actually do, and it wouldn't be easy to do. I remember them saying it was impossible on the Big Bang Theory and like that. I've heard you've heard about it for so many years. How could it not be a thing that at least somebody did at some point? But right, it had to come from somewhere, and it's been around since the 1970s, if not longer. So if 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 anybody out there has tipped a cow or seen a cow get tipped, let us know. Yeah, please. Right in. Or on Twitter. <laughs> Actually, if you got a video and you can post it to Twitter, do that. That would be fantastic. Or a link. Post a link. That'd be fun. But of course, it's not successful. 
and he slips and he falls face first under the cow. Yes. And the farmer comes out and starts shooting. Yes. At which point they run away. Rob Lowe trips and Chris just grabs him by his arm and drags him until the scene cuts. And then we cut to them at the at a gas station getting cleaned off. Rob Lowe, or Paul, I guess. I'm going to keep calling him Rob Lowe. That's okay. I'll keep calling him Paul. We'll confuse everybody that way. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll work <laughs> on calling him Paul. He is cleaning off his boots. Chris is, of course, or Tommy is, of course, very excited because that was so much fun. And eventually, Paul sprays Tommy with the hose and then sprays him in the face because he starts singing that he's a maniac. <laughs> and then yeah. next day, Tommy is, of course, uh, slacking off in his office. The fan scene, right? Where he's the fan the scene. Fan. Luke, I am your father. Which I think everybody's done since then and before then. It's uh... Ever since Star Wars was a thing, I think that's pretty much happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people have done that. They realize the fan does not yeah. actually make you sound more like Darth Vader at all. <laughs> we we treated fans like they were a James Earl Jones voice changer. <laughs> and, but and it's funny because I know so many people who did that, and it wasn't like was we didn't have internet. There was no like trend thing. There was no TikTok. It was just we all just thought of doing that on our own. To be fair, with the amount of stuff to do, you didn't have the internet. You couldn't watch the shows you wanted to watch all the time. It was like, oh, is it before? I mean, if it's the weekend, if it's afternoon, like, oh, cartoons are gone. Good luck. I'm going to go talk into a fan. Yeah. I'm going to figure out something to do. Yeah, yell into a fan, see what that does. <laughs> Let's throw darts at each other. <laughs> that another thing we did. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another time. If you want to hear that story, please write in or communicate with us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be doing that joke a lot. And so, okay, That's back a call to back. it. It's a callback. Yeah. And we're in Tom's office, and Richard comes in and tells him that he actually needs to work today, expresses the problem with shipping, and that he needs to figure out what's going on there. And so it goes to Tommy down at the loading dock. He tells RT, who is the head of shipping and receiving, that he's got Columbus written down as a two-day shipping when Columbus is only a one-day. Right, and this is this is where we learn that the, the seven years of college may have been a waste of money. I think we knew that beforehand. <laughs> 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 But this is the second time he gets made fun of for how long he's been in, how long he was in college because right. the, he responds, you know, with that's Columbus, Georgia, not Columbus, Ohio. Maybe you should go back to college for another seven years and study a map. Yeah. And um, I was going to say, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Okay. But then, <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet Michelle, who is potentially the love interest of the movie. Right. By potentially, I mean, is the love interest of the movie because... <gasps> Spoilers. She's There's only one <laughs> other woman that we've met in the cast so far. <laughs> the dad's love interest and now Tom's love interest. Like, it's... And, and we're, we've, we've made pretty pretty far progress into the movie at this point. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, you know, we don't know. Yeah. So they kind of get to know each other. We get to know the character of Michelle a little bit. The history of Tommy and her brother who is now a cop which they don't throw things out there that should will probably be important later to the story yeah then um, we get a little more of 
Tommy or Chris Farley antics of making fun of himself. And then um and she brings up her her organization system. Right. A little foreshadowing there. Yep. Not putting all the files in the computer. She's got her own system that works just fine for her. Never failed me yet. Yep. 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 Wink wink. Pretty heavy on the foreshadowing there. Yeah. That's a that's their their first meet cute, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Then we go from there to getting ready for the wedding, and you get the first real moment of the movie that's not a comedy, where it's we start to give these characters some depth when Tommy and his dad are talking about the, the wedding, and Big Tom brings up, been a while since his mom died, but you know, there's something about getting old and being alone, and kind of asks Tommy how he feels about the whole whole wedding thing. And you see a little bit of growth in Tom, Tommy, where he kind of realizes that his dad's going through something and is just kind of like, you know what, dad, I got you. Like, it's good. So it shows him more than just an idiot. He kind of does have a little bit of sense. Maybe he knows kind of how to read people. Yeah, that's and that's, I mean, one of the things of the movie is Tommy might not be book smart. Like right. I said, college, college might not have been the place for him, but he knows people. He knows how to communicate. He's... He's charming. He's got, he's got a. He's charming. He's got a different set of skills that that um, he hasn't a lot of lot of chance to focus on. Would you say he has a very special set of skills? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> definitely not those set of skills. No, definitely not those set of skills. I don't think Tommy could hurt a fly. No, I don't think so either. Anyway, then Richard comes in and tells him it's it's time to get going. And then we go to the wedding ceremony. And then after that, we're at the reception where it pretty much follows from Richard's point of view with the camera and him recording different different characters that we've met already in the movie. Just to right. kind of fill time with some music playing in the background. Get us an idea of, get us familiar, a little bit more familiar with the people, the town, mm-hmm. building up that. I suppose trying to fill out the, uh, hey, you know these people, you care about these people. Kind of humanize them more. Yeah, trying to trying to make that. I mean, because if they're like, here's this town, why do we care about this town? But over the last 20 minutes or so, we've gotten to know the people, the factory, get to hear some more of what the people think about Tom and and the wedding and, and how everything's going. And, and uh, you know, try to get you caring about the town and what happens going forward. Right. And it, it kind of reiterates the point that these these people in the factory, they aren't just employees. They are they are family because they're at his wedding. And of course, it goes to Big Tom. He's at his wedding reception. He's had eight whiskey sours, and he still sells one of his uh, customers to buy the brake pad line, even though they haven't even been made yet. And that's where we get the the, the, the famous line that may or may not come back later. Of, uh, <laughs> I could get a good, you could get a good look at a T-bone steak by sticking your head up a bull's rear, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. Yes. Spoiler alert, that may or may not come up later in the movie. Um, I'm assuming that maybe you watched the movie before you listened to this podcast. Oh, yeah. We should do a spoiler warning at the beginning. Well, I did mention that we were going to be going scene by scene. True. But, I mean, we could say, hey, this is spoilers for the movie. If you've never seen it, probably should go watch it and then come back. Yeah, we could do that. (laughs) Just a thought. Playing this by ear. Clearly, we are very seasoned podcasties, podcasters, podcasters. This is another one of those less comedic moments that we go into during the celebration when Tom and Tommy are singing. Big Tom has himself a heart attack, and he does. Doesn't make it. No, but I will say the shot that they do here, 
when because big they're dancing and big tom drops and they look over and everyone kind of rushes over to be over tom to see if he's okay yeah and so the the camera angle actually looks up at everybody looking down on him and then the camera kind of floats up and you're it, it you, you're switching in that moment to at his funeral yeah and that's that's a really i was i thought that was a really nice transition just yeah definitely a good transitional shot and it it gets the point across without dragging out the the, the sadness and the the drama i'd say of the situation right it's just it's it, it needed to be done in a way to where it was like okay we're at this this moment of all of a sudden the owner of this company is gone and right. the the in between of the the death and the funeral we we all know what that's like it's planning it's everything goes on hold Right. That's not what the movie's about. They, 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 no. they did the transition point. Like, okay, this is the setup of the town, the, the business, everybody you care about. This happens. Big Tom's gone. How are they going to fix it? Right. The way they did it, it just makes it a smooth transition to where you you just accept it. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just, okay. There's no like, okay, what parts of the in-between do we include? It's just, it's none of it. It's Tom dies, everyone's looking, and then... The camera comes up, and we're at the funeral. And, yeah, you got the bagpipes playing Amazing Grace as we follow Tommy Boy walking through the town back to back to the factory, to the loading dock. Beautiful rendition of Amazing Grace on the pipes. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things. I don't know oh, if man. you like the pipes at all. I do. Yeah. I do like bagpipe music. But from there, it goes to him in the boat. Him in the boat. Yes, and we are... I just say we are back to comedy, but we're not because we get a we get actually kind of get a look at Chris Farley's acting chops as far as like he's you know he's he's talking talking about his dad to to Michelle and uh, he's like not crying but he's got the the tears welling in his eyes that you can clearly see so it's it's like it's a very a very good acting moment and a, ve- a very good way to play play that emotion of not like over the top sobbing crying or whatnot but just like it's still fresh but you've you've already processed it yeah to an extent it's the 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 subtlety and the 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 subtlety of the sadness that's there instead of the like you said over the top bawling or 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 crying or something that could be played a little bit more for laughs right it's it's a moment that's it's it's meant to make you feel kind of feel for tommy and sympathize and uh look at the movie as more than just a comedy to where you know not everything in life is funny. He does mention the wind a few times because they are stuck in the middle of the lake, and there's absolutely no wind in a sailboat. And the back and the back of that sailboat is probably only three inches out of the water. So there's a there's definitely a visual joke there of the angle of the boat sitting in the water. And then of course we get the literal jokes of the kids trash talking him from the shore. Yep. Making fun of him, going to the weight well again. Yep, a lot of that. And then we get Michelle standing up for him. Right, which the look on his face, you can tell it implies that no one has ever stood up for him before. That you Right. Know, he he gets probably gets made fun of a lot, clearly does, and you know he's always just kind of took it or laughed with it. And that's the first time you really see, and it seems like he even really saw that someone was like, you know, it's it's not okay. Yeah. Then from there, after that, she, you know, she stands up or sits back down and says, I'm just kidding. I don't really know where they live. Yeah. And, uh, after she threatens. 
and it, he gets a, gets a smile out of him like that was awesome and then we're fast forward to uh the, the board meeting where all the, the board of the company are talking about various directions in which they can go they mentioned that someone named Zelinsky has offered to buy the company they're uh, they don't want to sell you know the, the town would go under but the uh, Board members would make a lot of money, and then that's when Tommy speaks up and says, offers to put up his entire inheritance as collateral to get a loan from the bank. Yep, so they can get the brake pads getting made, and they can work on trying to get them sold. Right, right. And then after that, he then volunteers himself and Richard, in a very humorous fashion, I might add, to go on the, the sales trip and sell the brake pads. And the, the board agrees with him. Richard knows everything about the brake pads, everything about the business. He was Big Tom's right hand, so might as well send Richard. Right. Plus, I don't think the board likes him that much. Who, Richard? Yeah. I don't think anybody likes Richard very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're supposed to at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, he's a smarmy little guy. Yeah, that's very true. He's David Spade. <laughs> <laughs> David Spade's going to listen to my podcast, and I'm going to be in for it. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Good Twitter battle with David Spade. No, thanks. <laughs> uh, so we are underway for road trip. And then this is when the road trip officially starts. And we are, movie-wise, about 30 minutes in, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, something like that. We're about a third of the way through. Yeah. Yeah, they. I mean, they did a good job of setting up the stakes without taking too long. It's basically it starts off with just Tom and Tom studying for his first for his first sales meeting. Yeah, yeah, a couple jokes in there insulting Tommy, which you know surprisingly it, I don't grow as tired of them um, making fun of Tommy as I thought I would because they do make fun of him quite a bit. But at at no point am I really like okay enough with it. Part of that's got to be the way Farley and Tom, the, the character, reacts to it. A lot of times he just brushes it off, laughs along with it, or dishes it back just as bad, just just as just as much. Right. He he's not just a punching bag. Right. And then you know we are he's outside for his first sale, just like <laughs> in Chris Farley fashion, playing it over the top, just putting on a performance. And then are you ready? He finally says, Yeah, he's ready. And David Spade straightens his tie, and it pops off. And he's like, oh, it's a clip-on. He goes, oh, you think so? The sarcasm in the movie is definitely on point. I do appreciate that. I did find myself laughing more at the movie than I thought I was going to. I remember loving it when I was younger, and I didn't know how well it would hold up. Uh, if it would hold up, if I would think fine, they're funny that they that I used to think so. But I, I laughed more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it on the same level that I did when I was a kid and saw it. And I'm not sure how much nostalgia plays into that. If if I were to just walk into this movie as a forty year old adult, um, <laughs> how old was that? Forty year old yeah. adult as as the first time seeing it. But there, there's definitely nostalgic feelings for the movie. If you're a forty year old who's never seen Tommy Boy, feel free to write in. Watch it and then write in and let us know. Yeah, let us know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> that that is great. Yes, if you are forty and have never seen Tommy Boy, please watch it and let us know. We're curious to know if it's this if it's the if it's the nostalgia 
or if it's actually as good a movie as we think it is that we're only a third of the way through and like two hours into our podcast oh gosh how long has it been i think we're only like a half hour in <laughs> it's it's seven fifty eight. well i know i have a clock up here but okay like, i meant to set a timer and i didn't but we also did chat a little bit before we started recording yes we did so i'd say maybe 45 minutes in um are we planning to rate these at the end? Like, hey, we say this is an A plus or B plus, or, or are we just talking the movie? We're just talking the movie. Let people make their own decisions. Yeah, hey, I mean, we can give a breakdown at the end too. Yeah, we'll we'll tell them what we think at the end. We'll go do yeah. like an overall. We still have a lot of movie to go. Yes, we do. So let's let's get on it. And so, oh yeah, they the the obvious setup of the joke of we don't take no we don't take no prisoners we don't take <laughs> no we don't take no crap from anybody. We don't take no for an answer. Right. Yes. We don't take no from an answer. And then we go into, what, three no's right in a row. And Tom just being like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Yep. And then we get, and then it, and then I remember it throwing me the first time I saw it. And actually when I saw it again as an adult, because I didn't remember this, but you get that, that last one that's a maybe. Yes. And then both their little faces light up. Tommy makes the sales pitch. Tommy makes a sales pitch using the guy's model cars and his lighter. <laughs> yes, and and I've I've got to tell anybody out there who's trying to make a sales pitch, do not destroy the person you're pitching to's stuff. <laughs> that is a this this bit got more of a laugh out of me than I thought I was going to as well. Oh, it was. I mean, and it's it's they, they that's one of those ones where you know they just let Chris Farley go. Yeah, like just. Do a sales pitch. Here's a lighter. There's a lighter there, just so you know. And he's like, got it. Watch this. It was, <laughs> I mean, and it, yeah, it had me. It was so good. From the beginning to end, the whole thing, that whole sales pitch, up until the guy's like, get out. And then, so he tells him to get out. And, like, David Spade, you know, blows on it, tries to blow it out. And then it's like, oh, you know, we're leaving. That's fine. And then Chris goes, oh, oh, do you validate parking? <laughs> Those moments of Chris of just, like, what little simple thing can I throw at the end of this bit to get a last laugh out of it? From there, they're back on the road, and they go to the, they're in the, basically at the gas station filling up with gas. And this uh, is the uh, the first hit the car takes. This is the first hit the car. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but yeah, Tom's getting lectured by by Richard. Um, tells him to fill it up with gas, and he's gonna go and ask for directions. Do you remember to where? Granton. Scranton? <laughs> no, I do not remember to where. Uh, is it Des Moines? Scranton, Ohio. No, because they're in o- they're in Ohio, and they're going to Indiana. Scranton, Indiana? Maybe? Anyway. I don't they- know why Scranton's in my head. I don't even know if that's right. <laughs> I don't think it is, but we'll, we'll just go with it. Um, yeah, they're uh, in the gas station, or David Spade is. Richard is in there. The map joke is pretty funny. The map joke is funny, and it's the dude behind the counter is such a jerk. It's like because I don't, I don't see it on here. Get yourself a new map. Like, just clearly the dude doesn't know where, where you know where he is. He's on a road trip. He's lost. Just, just tell him. <laughs> hey, man, you're in the wrong state. But no, we're gonna get the, we're gonna get this banter back and forth, and it's, it's. I liked it, but I didn't at the same time. Like, that was the first part that was kind of, it wasn't the best to me because the whole, the sole purpose of, of that whole scene was for 
Tommy to wreck the car. Right. Right. The the whole purpose of the map scene was to keep Richard inside while Tommy backs the car up into the gas station and the gas pump and the door bends the complete opposite way. Right. And then it's him, which I did like the shot over the shoulder where you could just see him in the background, you know, just desperately trying to get the door closed to make it look like nothing happened, even though there's right. huge right. debt down the side of it. Well, I, I've been I've been trying to pay attention to more things in movies around effects and things like that. And when he closes it, you can definitely see the big crease on the side of the on the back side of the door where it opened all the way. But once it's closed, that whole thing's gone. It's a, the door is seamless again. Right. Yeah, I noticed that too because I was looking for it also. You know, continuity <laughs> important. I was but... like, how does how does Richard miss that big thing? Does it come out of a different angle? But he walks right up to it, wipes something right off the the edge of, near the window, and then as soon as he opens the door, it falls off the hinge. Yeah, and of course delivers the great line, "What'd you do?" And I don't know if they stuck the door in the trunk or in the back seat, but the door's just gone from then. We we never see the door again. Nope. It's just yeah, and and until you mentioned it, I actually I never thought of. I, I never, I never thought of where the door was. I'm guessing they just shoved it in the trunk because why would they leave the door anywhere? And, and, Fair. and the, the 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 assumption would be, okay, well, let's take the door with us so we can fix it. And actually, I I said this is the first time Tommy wrecks the car. We we didn't touch on it earlier, but he dropped a bag of M and M's in the dash. In the dash. So not really wrecking it, but you get chocolate all up in the gears, all, all up in the, the dash system and the, the exhaust. Or not exhaust, the, the vents. I, I guess that was a little foreshadowing for what was to come. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of chocolate, then a missing door. Um, and we'll touch on what comes next later. Yes, we will. And then it shoots over to the, the employee appreciation night back in Sandusky, Ohio. Kind of just a scene to throw you back to the town just so you remember why they're out on the road. And uh, that's the first time we get a little taste that maybe uh, there's something different going on between Big Tom's wife and Tommy's brother. Yes. Yes, it's the the first indication of something there that's not, what, mother-son and a little little nefarious. In hindsight, like, they got got lucky Big Tom died. Yes, they did. Uh, The day of the wedding, like... The ink's still drying, and the dude's gone. Right. So yeah, they 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 set that up a little bit just to kind of plant that seed for for yeah. later, and then we're back at at Tommy and Richard in the car, and then they hit a deer, <laughs> and like anybody would do, when you hit a deer <laughs> on the side of the road, uh, you load it into the back <laughs> into the back of your car. Yes, you you, you hit a deer, which. I, I knew it was coming up, so I wanted to make sure what happened to the car at that point. And for whatever reason, the windshield survived. Yes, it did. But it definitely means that the the the, the door was not in the back seat. True, true. And unless unless they loaded the deer on the door, but yeah, for for whatever reason, I don't know if they're planning to dispose of it or try and sell it somewhere or we're gonna bury it in the morning. But they loaded it into the back. It's a great idea. Did they say why they loaded it in the car? Uh, well, they they were yeah, because they were staring at it, and they're like, "What do we do? We can't just leave it here." Fair, load it up into the back of the car. Great idea. Okay, because yeah, I, I didn't pick up on them saying exactly what they were gonna do with it. I but... don't think they 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 had a plan past that. 
It was just, we can't leave it here. So the logical next step was to load it into the back of the car and take it with them. Yes. To their next sale. Does it go into the next sale or does it go to a night in the hotel after the, they hit the deer? It goes into the next sale. Okay. Yeah, it goes into the next sale where it's the long, it's, it's uh, Richard, they go in saying, oh, it's, uh, they've been doing business with us forever. We should be in and out. And then they, Tommy's, you know, uh, Richard's talking all confident. And Tommy goes, well, if you think you, you're so smart, why don't you take the sale? Let Richard give, a, give his crack at it. Yeah. And, uh, that, and that when he said smarmy, that's why I, I, I laughed. <laughs> the guy's like, look, I don't like you. I don't think I'm ever going to like you. You're a smarmy little weasel who thinks he's better than everybody and talks to anyone like they're idiots. Yeah. And the, the guy says, sorry about your dad, Tommy, but he's not going to buy the pads if I remember right. Right. And then he he tries to do the say the uh could get a good look at a T bone steak by sticking my head up a a bull's you know the the famous line the last line that we hear his dad say when right. selling, and of course he butchers it, pun intended. Nice, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you know Richard is of course you know jabbing into him the whole time while he's trying to make the sale, not making it easier, and then. He uh, has a little bit of a meltdown and explains to the man what's been going on. Showing the car, we just killed Bambi. Yeah. <laughs> he he is clearly not dealing with his grief and stress in the right way. Or at all. Or at all. Yeah, and it's yeah clearly manifesting itself outwardly. But that ends up being a failure. And so he just it ends with uh, just a shot of Tommy realizing what he has just done. Yeah. And then it it uh, cuts over to them driving and the deer waking up. They pull over and get out, and the deer just des- destroys the car. Yes, this is this is the big incident of the car. And um, well, no, I will at least I will not say it doesn't ha- have anything else. But this is this is the big damage to the car. The the right. the the roof gets tore up. The windows get broken, uh, broken windshield. The seats get tore to pieces. Bambi has a field day with it. And then majestically <laughs> poses, scampers away. Yes, yes. majestically supposed, <laughs> majestically poses and scampers away. Yes. At which point, David Sp- or Richard says, "No way, that just happened." And Tom, Tommy, still in awe, goes, "That was awesome." Sorry about your car, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're at the hotel. Okay, and this is the the hotel with the pool, right? No, this is the first hotel with all the moths. Oh, where they're trying to suck them up with a vacuum. Yes. For some reason, the hotel has a vac- a shop vac that you can just have in your, in your room. It's, you know, feel feel free to clean our rooms for us. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this is when we get the first look at Zelensky, played by Dan Aykroyd. Yes, Ray Zelensky, which Ray, I think, is a, a, a tribute to his Ghostbuster character. Okay. And then... The name Zelensky, just a fun fact, it comes up in a few other movies with Aykroyd as a character. I know in Fifty First Dates, he's Doctor Zelensky. Okay, that sounds familiar, actually. Yeah, he he runs the 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 mental the hospital or not the mental hospital. The um yeah yeah it would be the memory care facility. Yeah, memory care facility. Doctor Zelensky runs that. Uh, but his Chicago accent's on point. It's just that, that that little subtle accent he's got is just it just adds to it. We we see a, a commercial of Zelensky Auto Parts. You know, we get to see 
what Zelensky puts out to the American public, and we get Tommy's impression of him that he seems nice. And uh, Richard is still mad. Well, yeah, he's pouting about his car. <laughs> I, I say that as if I wouldn't be upset that my car got trashed by a deer. Yeah, and then and Tommy, you know, brilliantly asks, what are you so mad about? <laughs> Tommy decides he is, discovers his coat and decides he's going to cheer him up by doing a fat guy in a little coat. Yes, and this was a, this bit was something that, that Chris would do with David Spade all the time when they were working on SNL and just just a bit they did as friends that they added to the movie. Right. I think, yeah. As I read David Spade's autobiography also, and he talked about this as like something Tommy would just do, or Tommy, <laughs> something Chris Farley <laughs> would just do. And I believe he said he was sick of it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see that being the case. Yeah. And so they were doing it in the movie and he's like, yeah, I left my coat over there and, Chris just picked it up, and he's like, oh, no, we're actually going to do, we're not doing this, we're not keeping this in the movie. And sure enough, it, it was, it landed so well that it, it ended up in the movie. I think that's it. Uh, don't go fact check that, because um, I don't want to be wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> David Spade wrote about it in his autobiography, so I might have some details mixed up, because I read it a while ago. But anyway, so they go to bed. And now we are back on the road, and we have our first argument over the radio. <laughs> yes. Tommy's like, oh, this is a great song. And they do the kind of change it back and forth. And then it lands on the song, um, is it really called Don't You Remember You Told Me You Loved Me or something like that? I don't know the name of the song, but that's... Yeah, it's the one that goes, don't you remember you told me you love me, baby. Yeah. And they have that bonding moment. Yeah, well, at first they were like... Both of them act like they don't like the song, but like, oh, whatever, I'm over it. You can listen to it if you want to. I'm not changing it. Well, you can change it. And then it, it goes right next to them, just tears in their eyes, singing at the top of their lungs, just, just having a moment of loving the song and dealing with each other. And it gets interrupted when the hood of the car <laughs> pops up, blocking their view. <laughs> one more thing happening to the car and as you can imagine it is angst of driving with the hood up so you're not seeing where you're going or they're not seeing where they're going right and it shows us a little bit from that angle to kind of give us a little bit of their perspective from it yes and and the the hood even falls for a second and then you get that that moment of relief and then they see the uh, semi coming, and the hood pops up again, and that's when they pull off the road completely and come to a stop. And then they hit the, the mile-ahead sign, or go through it, and it rips the hood completely off. And I believe they just leave that there, because we don't see the hood again. No, we, we do not see the hood again. And it's at this point, they we, we go from a brief instant of them getting along and singing together to them fighting. Right, and we discovered that it was Tommy's fault because he put oil in the car, but he never took the can out, so the hood didn't latch. Correct. Um, and this is where Richard hits him with a 2x4. Right, and which is wonderful because the, the fight starts, and then it gets physical, and suddenly there is a 2x4. And I have in my notes, where did he get a 2x4? On the side of the road. There's a bunch of random stuff on the side of the road all the time. Sure. But it was, he very quickly found a two by four, picked it up, and hit 
Kami in the side of the face with it. And broke it. Yes. And and then he went off to the prehistoric village. Right. And we got I, that was such a letdown. Still, the fact that he's like, oh, a prehistoric village. And then that's all we get of the prehistoric village. The next scene is them pulling into the cluck bucket. And then they're sitting there and you have I'm this, I'm the I'm sorry song playing kind of in the background. I don't know if it's over the jukebox or if it's just... Uh, I th- I think the song is playing in the in the establishment. It's, it's playing loud for us, and then it kind of fades. But then it's a background noise in the in the uh, the cluck bucket. So it's good good juxtaposition of not juxtaposition, but it's a good setup for the scene we're about to see. Right. Well, and then you know because it's playing, and it's like they can hear it, and they're awkwardly looking at each other, like like oh, we should apologize for that little thing that just happened. Yeah, and then and then Tommy breaks the ice of do I have a mark on my face? And we get the very specific, you know, oh, I thought I hit you in the shoulder. And he goes, no, my shoulder doesn't hurt. It's my face. Not here or here so much, but right here as he's pointing down this two-by-four size bruise down the side of his face. And, of course, you know, Richard's like, oh, nope, nothing there. And then they call the waitress over, and the waitress, waitress is like, oh, my gosh, what happened to your face? And excitedly, Tommy's <laughs> like, oh, I knew it. Like, I was right. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, got him. And they, they make their order, and Tommy asks for wings. And the lady says, the kitchen's closed. He says, can you check again? Are you sure? Or she says, are you sure it's closed? And she looks at him dead in the eye, says, let me check. Doesn't break eye contact and goes, yep, it's closed. Tommy asks her name and then explains to her why he's a horrible, horrible salesman. And we get the whole destruction of... Uh, it's not a muffin. Yeah. It's like a, a what? A biscuit. A biscuit. Yeah, yeah, it's his. It's his naughty little pet, and he destroys it. And she just looks at him and goes, "God, you're sick." Let me, let me, let me turn the fryer on. I'll throw some wings in for you. Turns out Tommy knows how to sell. Yeah, this this is him getting his confidence, just not being in his head too much, just being his natural, charming self, and realizing that can get him where he needs to be. Yeah, well, then, yeah, and you know, Richard comments on it and. You know, did that board to the head knock something loose? And then, you know, of course, he responds, oh, you know, if we didn't get the wings, so what? We still got half the meat lover's pizza in the trunk, like, <laughs> which we never see. <laughs> I mean, that's just a random throw out there as a joke just for a laugh, and it, it totally lands. Like, we didn't, we never needed to see the pizza. We never needed to know about the pizza. We never need to see the pizza again. It just right. needed to be mentioned in that moment, and that was enough. Because, yeah. of course, they would have a meat lover's pizza. I don't know when or where, but they got one in the trunk, apparently. It would have been maybe nice for them to go back for it. I don't know. But Richard has a nice little chat with Tommy about what sales really is and, and that tells him that he is smart. Not book smart, but he is street smart, and he is like his dad and knows how to read people. And he needs to lean into that, and he will do well. And then from there, we go on to the next sale, and we have the guy who is obsessed with guarantees written on boxes. You know, I want to see the guarantee. I want to see the guarantee. And so we see Tommy start with, I'll tell you what, I can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking my head up a line once again. Yeah. And then Richard stops him and goes, no, chicken wings. And then that's when we get the tan- hysterical tangent, by the way, of him talking about the guaranteed fairy. What, you think you got a guarantee on a box? And the guaranteed fairy will come and leave a quarter under your pillow. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know how that speech sold anything. 
I don't either. Uh, I think it was the ending part because that just kind of got him thinking, like, what are you talking about? And he goes, if you want me to, you know, all the, the, the guy puts a guarantee on a box because all he knows is that he sold you a guaranteed piece of crap. And if you want, I could take a crap in a box and put guaranteed on the side. I've got time. That's their first sale on their save the plant train that they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that whole just him being completely candid and humorous is what that guy needed to hear in order to close the deal. Right. Right. He, he needed that guarantee or something comparable to explain why he didn't need a guarantee. Right. So they get their first sale, and then we go immediately over to Rob Lowe and Paul and Beverly are their names. Yes, Paul <laughs> Paul and Beverly. And talking about an idea, like freaking out that Tommy actually sold something, and Paul comes up with an idea of how to get, how to stop Tommy Boy, which they do call him Tommy Boy quite a bit throughout the movie, instead of just Tommy or whatnot. It's Tommy Boy, so little little throw to the uh, the title of the movie in there. But he decides. Hey, they said to... the movie thing. <laughs> yeah, that whole. Oh, they said the title of the movie. So he decides he's gonna blow up the trucks. Yes. And so he gets a high powered rifle and goes to the truck parking lot and meets the guard dog, whose pain leash is conveniently like six inches. From where he randomly decides to park. Lucky him. Yes. However, unlucky him, he decides to close his door to shoot from it. And the seatbelt, the automatic seatbelts from the early 90s, you know how they move forward and back? Yeah. Did he have a hurt arm? Which is why he was going to rest the gun on the window? I don't know. That sounds right. But I don't remember why his arm was hurt now. I don't either. Was it the cow tipping thing? No. I've watched this movie twice in the last week, and I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, and I took notes. I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell you either, and I, I took notes as well, but I don't have why his arm was hurt or if it was I, – I, I remember his arm being in a sling, and I think that's why he couldn't hold the rifle that he had to – And at the, at the carnival, he peed on the electric fence and got blasted back. That's right. That the the first the <laughs> yes we, we we didn't touch on that, but that was when they were back at the the family uh, the work family appreciation night. They had a carnival, and that's when they were being duplicitous. Yes, and then he he's drinking a beer while peeing on a fence, and it's knocked back. Hits, hits the electrical wire and gets zapped really good, and probably yeah. hurts his arm in the fall. And then yeah. so yeah, uses the door to to steady his aim. Or maybe he didn't hurt his arm when he was just trying to steady his aim. Because he's like, oh, I got the car window here. I can, I can, because it shows through the scope and it's kind of like going back and forth and rocking. Right. And he's like, oh, car window, stable. And then he gets in the car and closes the window, closes the door, and then. And then the seatbelt hits the gun up and it conveniently shoots the chain of the big metal Callahan sign, which comes down and breaks the chain of the Doberman, who then jumps into the car and attacks him. Could not have seen that coming. You knew he was going to get mauled by that dog somehow, but I did not expect that to be the way. No, definitely did not see that chain of events as being the way that it happens. But needless to say, the trucks do not blow up, and the plan is still moving forward with all the sales that Tommy's making. Yes, and now we are at the hotel with the pool. Yes. Yeah, and Tommy's bragging about his sale, wanting to celebrate. Tommy leaves to go get a pizza. And then we have the, the classic 90s gratuitous naked lady in the pool 
I wonder if that was a throw to a uh, vacation. Oh, possibly, but you'd, you'd get that a lot in 90s movies, though, too. We totally just made fun of that part because she's like looking around because she's going to go skinny dipping right at a hotel pool where every single room in the complex is facing the pool with their window. Right. It's a big horseshoe <laughs> hotel, it looks like. And the, the pool's in the center. Right. And she's going to make sure that no one's looking. Right. As funny as the jokes that Chris Farley made were, that whole scene is pretty much just there for cheap laughs. Yeah. It's uh, in, that's one of the parts in hindsight. And a lot of lot of movies I see that I watched from the 80s and 90s, it's definitely of its time. It doesn't age well. It's very dated, lazy humor. Yeah. And there was some references that Chris probably made that were clever, but I kind of just want to bypass that whole part. Okay. If you watch it, you know what you're talking about. If you didn't watch it, then go watch it and you know what we're talking about. Yeah, they close with them talking about what their plan is going forward. And then we go to basically a uh, rapid fire montage of them getting a bunch of yeses. Yes, they are on game now, on, on, on point. They're winning. They're getting all the sales. They are about to reach their goal, actually. I think they do reach their goal in this montage, don't they? No. Ah. No, they don't. It's they're going back and forth to the factory, to them driving, to making sales. It's just an all, all a whole good montage. And then it closes with Paul in Michelle's office messing with the computer. And you can see he's changing addresses. Doesn't get caught, but she walks in and sees him. And so they have a little chit chat. Right. He says he's trying to use the phone or he just got off the phone. That's right. He grabs the phone really quick and pretends to hang up as the as the busy signal or the not busy signal. The um, you waited too long to dial tone. And that's a thing kids nowadays. No idea. Oh, right. Yeah. When you wait too long to call on a phone and it goes. Yep. Yep. Now now you don't call unless you have the number put in. Yeah. Now you put the number in first and then call. But before you, you know, you had the dial tone and all that stuff. Yep. Pick up the phone. There's your dial tone. And then Rob Lowe sits against the air tube. Yeah, the vacuum tube. Yep, the vacuum tube for all the uh, the paperwork to go through. And it takes his shirt, and you see a, a shirtless Rob Lowe, and he says, well, I got to go. Yep. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which is, it's, not only is it that funny, but, you know, with without that, how do you end the scene? Right. He and he does he doesn't acknowledge the shirt, just okay, that's a thing. I've gotta go and walks out. <laughs> it's yep. yeah, it's so good because it's it's I mean, I, I don't want to say it's lazy because it's like they they were clearly on a time crunch for the movie. And that was a scene that could have gone a whole lot longer. Yeah. And it's the the two Michelle and, and Paul together just doesn't make any sense at all. You really can't do anything with that. Right, and he was kind of being flirty, just kind of like, eh, how's Tommy? Things going? Oh, the shirt's gone. We're, we're done. It was just, it was going to be a long way to get him to, like, leave and have it not be weird. So they just kind of leaned into, well, let's just make it, like, so weird that he has to leave. It reminds me of the uh, the tool time bit where uh, Tim's standing in front of the lathe and just rips the shirt right off him. <laughs> yep, and he just keeps going. Like it, He just like, keeps going. Like, uh, <laughs> like that's a that's an unfortunate thing to happen but let's just keep going with it so after yeah so he walks out shirtless grabs his jacket flings it over his shoulder all fancy 
Yep. And then we're at the the next hotel, and David Spade's he's on or Richard's on the phone and says, "Oh, that's great." Hangs up the phone. Clearly made a sale. And then they do another bit. Farley's sleeping. He knocks on the door. You know, does the housekeeping, which is actually something that David Spade did to Chris all the time, because Chris would react the exact same way that Tommy did, and not once ever caught on or that that it was that it was David Spade messing with him. Fell for it every time. It sounds like a lot of not maybe not a lot of it, but there's a lot of inside jokes in this movie between the two of them. As good of friends as they were, it helps build that relationship between the characters too. Yeah, it definitely adds to the chemistry when you have those those natural I'm sure there's some natural moments of laughter too. And then yeah, so we find out that they met their goal and they are going to head back home with their heads held high because they have victorious and they have saved the factory and then we get an awesome sing along that starts with Come on Eileen by Dexie's Midnight Runners. And then we go go straight into It's the End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. And they do what I think everybody in the 90s did. You sing the chorus, and then you jump into the next verse because you know it, and you get two lines in and realize you don't know it at all. And you just kind of mumble. <laughs> and then you give up. And I... Uh, I was originally going to pull the lyrics for the verse they were singing so I could be like, yeah, they get about a line in and then it's but and read what it really was. But I didn't do that. That's okay. People know. (laughs) People know. People do know. And Wikipedia is a thing and the Internet's a thing. So you can always just look it up. And then it ends with a beautiful rendition of a song called Eris 2, which is just kind of an emotional ballad that they somehow know. From there, we go back into the boardroom where we realize that all the shipping orders have gotten mixed up. Tommy comes in confidently trying to do damage control. It's too late. Orders have been canceled. They can't make the payment to the bank. They're out of time. They failed, essentially. Right. And they have to sell to Zelensky. They're going to go in tomorrow, fly to Chicago, and sign over the paperwork. Tommy goes down into the loading dock and talks to Michelle and basically... Blames her for it. And she blames herself for it and has already quit. Right. And so she she takes her little bit of stuff and runs off. Tommy chases her with very little effort. Yeah, he's (laughs) upset. He's like, no, wait. Okay. Oh, no, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes to Michelle at the airport. She's getting ready to fly to where her parents moved to. She's going to go home because she doesn't have a job and the town's going to basically go under. Right. And then she sees Beverly and Paul making out. And yes. she's like, huh, that's a very interesting mother-son dynamic. And so she told, tells the ticket lady to hold that thought. And she runs over and uses a payphone. <laughs> Haven't seen one of those in a long time. Nope. And calls the police department to talk to her brother. At which point it takes us back to Tommy and Richard driving. Richard's slamming back the beers. He's drunk, drunk and angry. I don't remember exactly how the joke comes up, but they're talking about it's like shooting fish in a barrel. And Richard goes, yep, the town's the fish. The people are the barrel. Yeah. And every time I've seen that movie, I've always caught the joke. But he says it so matter-of-factly and so naturally that it it the, the joke doesn't land. Because Tommy doesn't react to it either. It's like He says it completely backwards, and it's just like... It's just a matter of fact. The town's a fish, the people of the barrel. And you're like, that's wrong. But no one reacted to it. So I'm not supposed to either. And it just, 
it makes that joke totally miss. Which sucks, because that's actually a pretty good joke. It's clever. And this it's just, there was no reaction to the read, and it just, it made it fall flat. And then they get pulled over by the cops. Well. Kind of, well, they, the cops light them up. The, the, the cops light them up. And I don't remember what Tommy says exactly, but he says he's got a plan. Yes, he does. And he basically floors it and starts swerving all over the place, back and forth across the road. And then and as soon as they stop, he tells Richard to run out of the car and start screaming and flailing his hands. And they start yelling, bees, bees, there's bees everywhere. Conveniently, both cops are allergic to bees. Yes, both <laughs> cops are allergic to bees and say, yell, roll on the ground. We'll come back and check on you. And they get in their squad car and take off. And yes, and then Richard throws up on an anthill. Yes, and Tommy can't believe that worked. <laughs> right. And then they see the big billboard of Zelensky, and Tom once again says he has an idea and says they're going to go to Chicago and talk to Zelensky in person. I was at this point in the movie. I realized there was more to it than I thought, than I remembered, because I had forgotten about them getting on the plane. I totally forgot about the plane scene also. <laughs> and we are going to go there right now. So they're at the airport, and Tommy is calling Michelle, which is important. Yes. That comes back. And Richard is talking to a very lovely, lovely lady about getting a ticket to Chicago. And she is less than helpful. She can get her. She can't get them into Chicago. She can get them to Salt Lake City, and then she can get them on a flight coming back from Chicago in two hours. There's a lot of movies out there that have people trying to get to Chicago on a plane that can't get to Chicago on a plane. <laughs> yeah, Home Alone. Home Alone, planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, I mean, all the John Hughes movies are yeah Chicago based. Chicago based. So yeah, so that makes sense. But this one is not. <laughs> True. <laughs> Random thought. It's like, hey, there's there's a lot of movies. Chicago was big in the '90s, right? And by a lot, I can only think of two other ones. So, and they were all John Hughes movies. Yes. <laughs> hey, we counted to three. That equals a lot. Yay! <laughs> Make note: the number three is now a lot. <laughs> Tommy gets another idea because they see two flight attendants walking by. Tommy says, "I have an idea." It goes to them on the plane dressed as flight attendants, which only possible in a pre nine eleven world. Yes. Like this like that's what's so that's what dates a lot of movies is their airport scenes. After nine eleven, they're not even they're not even through security. Right. Right. They couldn't talk to anybody at a gate or anywhere nowadays or even yeah. past past that point. So there there's no way that's working in, in a in a post nine eleven world. But it worked then and so now they're flight attendants and yeah, they they snuck their way onto the plane dressed as flight attendants, a plane that was they thought was going to be short staff, which is convenient for them. Very convenient, yes. And then they get told to handle the announcements. At which point we see one of the greatest mullets I've ever seen in my life, dude. And he's in a full-on jean jacket. He's got the tight acid wash jeans, or the I don't know if they're acid wash. It's very faded jeans, very faded jean yeah. jacket, and just a glorious dark curly mullet and it is it is absolutely wonderful but they do the whole whole spiel of that if you've ever flown on a plane you know what it's supposed to sound like and this sounds nothing like it these are the emergency exits this is your uh, seat belt put on the little flotation device under your your seat 
pull the cords and which I actually I didn't like the way they I didn't like um the way Richard was in this scene too cuz yeah. he was he was so worried about we're going to get caught we're going to get caught we're going to go to jail and then he has to do the announcements and he's extremely unprofessional and flippant with it yeah and it's like if you were that paranoid like 2 minutes ago about getting busted doing this why are you you making it obvious you don't belong there right it's it play, it's probably I mean, it's definitely trying to be play for laughs. It, it's the beforehand, the the nervousness of getting caught, the hey, don't make waves for laughs, as then oh, it'd be funny if Richard said this stuff. It it just it, it just totally missed the mark for me. I didn't believe it. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of bugged me that they would make the character do that when it's that was so out of character him throughout the whole movie. Like his main point of being mad about the road trip in general was the fact of Tommy doesn't take anything seriously. Richard goes into the bathroom for a second and comes back out. Yes, yes. He is in and out and, and changed. And you get, and then that's when you get um, some uh, Chris Farley in a little space comedy. And he handles that very well. So then we're off the plane. They take the cab to uh, Zelensky headquarters. Tom's ner- Tommy's nervous, so he's rubbing the air freshener, car freshener all over himself. I didn't like this part either, because uh, Richard is the one that makes the jab at cab drivers. So the guy stops short, and Tommy hits his head, and dude laughs at Tommy. And I was like, he, he was nice to you. The other guy is the one that, you know... It's yeah. It so some of it was just like I wouldn't have laughed at Tommy. I would have felt bad. Now that I'm thinking, does Richard doesn't have a lot of physical comedy moments? None, really. He he doesn't take a bump or a bruise or so. That's that's Farley's the physical comedian. He's he's getting hit a lot throughout the movie. Where Richard is more of this got the sarcasm in the right. Well, it's it's the classic all the way back to Abbott and Costello. Where you have the funny, ridiculous guy, and you have the straight man, and they bounce off each other. Yeah, I mean, there's been there's been so many of those throughout the years. It's that type of, you know, comedy again. That's why Richard doesn't, you know, you can't have two guys like that. It it wouldn't work. Right, right, in that duo. But I, Paul takes his licks throughout this movie. He does. Yeah, but it's it's almost never in a scene with Chris Farley. Right. In the in the cow tipping scene, he played more of the straight man role. Like he he fell, sure, but it wasn't like the way he fell wasn't funny. And then him getting dragged off was Chris Farley being the ridiculous one and being the over the top comedic comedic part of that. So we're at Zelensky headquarters. They uh, see Zelensky standing outside of the building, and they follow him in and lose him as they come through the door. They decide to separate to find Zelensky. Richard goes one way, Tommy goes to the bank, and is looking around and cannot see Zelensky anywhere, and so he decides he's going to make an announcement. And so he yells, listen up, this will only take a second. At which point, everybody assumes that the bank is being robbed, everyone hits the deck, the two security guards drop down too and slide their guns over, Tommy realizes that people think he's robbing the place, and so he runs. And then they go to the elevators to where we have yet another joke about Tommy's weight from the kid who's like, oh, it's the guy that robbed the bank. And Tommy goes, oh, I didn't rob any bank. And the kid goes, oh, yeah, like it was some other real fat guy with a tiny head. So at least we get like the... the, the, <laughs> the, 
<laughs> the the punchline there, which I, I appreciate, is the fact that he's like he's not concerned that he got called fat. It's like he's concerned that he has a tiny head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I th- I thought that was funny. That was a good that was a good read because the look on his face is sheer surprise and devastation. <laughs> Um, but it's this elevator ride that they accidentally that they get into is they they accidentally realize Zelensky's in there. They do realize Zelensky's in there, and they get to we get to see Chris Farley and Dan Aykroyd together for the first time. Yeah, which is is great. So you know, Tommy introduces himself, and Zelensky gives his condolences on Tommy's dad passing away. Yep, and then immediately quips, uh, "Went a little heavy with the uh, pine tree perfume there, kid." And he's like, no, it's an air freshener. He goes, good. Step one is finding the problem. Step two is washing it off. <laughs> yes, they. Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd is a, does a good job about the the quick quips and just the rapid fire. Yeah, he's very good at at at, at those, and just and just kind of being a jerk without being too much of a jerk. Right. He's very matter of fact, very business, and that just comes off as as jerky. Because he, I mean, he gives him a chance to to plead his case. He's like, "I'm on my way to a meeting. You got a few minutes." Here's a tour of the factory. Yep. And he's like, "Well, thank you for your time. I'm buying your 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 company and just using the name. And I'm basically not going to not buy it." Yeah. This this is what's happening. You know, you guys did well. Good for you. I want your name. I don't care about your factory. I can make them cheaper. And it's business. Sorry, kid. Tough luck. As he as Zelensky goes in the meeting, he can Tommy can see that Beverly and Paul are inside with the the rest of the board for the sale, and he's like, "Why the hell are they there? Or why is my family in there?" That's right. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not angry about it. <laughs> but during that whole tour of the factory, it does go to back to the bank on the first floor to establish that the news crew is there, and it, they're talking to the security guards, and the security guard talking goes. You know, they're asking what happened, and he's like, well, after he hit me on the head many times with a hammer, <laughs> I had to I give up no my gun. I have no choice to give a gun, yeah. I have kids. <laughs> like, and it's like, yeah, you look like you could have grandkids, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and you look like you got hit with a hammer. <laughs> Repeatedly, in the head. <laughs> but yeah, they, they nod to that to uh, establish that the news crew is there, and um, there's there's some media attention. Yes. Uh, spoiler for later. And then we are... Uh, foreshadowing for later. Right. I said wrong words. <laughs> I will be here to correct you. Thank you. Um, Actually. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I thought you had something to add other than my mistake. Oh. <laughs> nope, just mocking you some more. <laughs> Appreciate you. So we're out in front of Zelensky headquarters. Tommy and Richard are sitting on a bench out front. Tommy's feeling pretty defeated and just kind of rattling off a list of everything that's going wrong in his life and then the bench collapses from under him. And one more thing. And one more uh, thing and he you know one more thing and one more fat joke. Yep, yeah, yeah, just one more up. Could have done without that. Which he, I mean he played well. It was it it was a funny enough joke to where I I, I enjoyed it. it. It felt it felt I mean the setup was there. It was clearly an obvious joke. I don't know why I liked it so much, and that might be a purely nostalgia joke, because when I first saw it as a kid, I didn't expect it, and so it cracked me up a lot the first time, and so that nostalgia of the first time I saw it is probably it has a lot to do with why I found it so funny. Anywho, they stand up from the bench. Richard 
basically has a very warm and touching moment with Tommy about how he's proud of him and how Tommy has really grown up and really come into himself as a person and he could tell that he gave him his best effort and his dad would have been proud of him. And so we, we go to the another moment. moment. The big awe moment, yeah. Um, the kind of the whole the whole shift in the dynamic where you realized that that Tommy was now respected by Richard. Something that he had always wanted was for someone to actually respect him. And then we get a little vulnerability from Richard, you know, saying, you know, you got a friend out of it. I know it's not a big deal to you, but I don't have many. Is like, you know that no yeah. one likes you. Then we're interrupted by Michelle, who comes in and is like, and basically spills the beans that Beverly and Paul are not mother and son. They are, in fact, married, which gives Tommy another idea. Well, that doesn't. He sees the road flares from the construction conveniently happening across the street. Gets an idea to strap road flares to himself and pretend he's wired. So he runs into the bank and goes, excuse me. And everyone once again sees him and drops down. And it's the whole callback to the bank robbery bit. Yep. And, uh, of course, you know, the little joke that Richard makes. Have you done this before? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but that's when he uh, he grabs the camera crew and takes them up to the meeting that's going on. Yes, he does. And so he busts in there with the news crew and basically corners Zelensky into buying half a million brake pads to save the company. Of course, you know, playing to his ego. And yep. uh, Zelensky completely agrees because, you know, of course he wants to maintain his appearance to the general public. Right, that he's an American company that builds American parts for the American working man. Because that's what I am, and that's who I care about. And in Zelensky's, in Zelensky's mind, he's about to get the company anyway, so whether he buys them or not on the, the purchase order, it's it's all his. It doesn't matter, because he's like, what does it matter? The company's going to be mine in 10 minutes anyway. And that's when the news crew leaves, and Tom reveals that, hey, guess what? My dad's wife is not actually my dad's wife, and all those shares belong to me. And the rest of the board agrees, because, you know, there would be absolutely zero legal paperwork to go through for that to happen. Easily done by uh, three people saying, yep, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yep, it, it's, the, it's the end of a movie magic. A thing is said, everybody's like, yep, that's what it is. That's what it is, and let's just get out of here and get to the end, because we're all tired. <laughs> 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 and so, yeah, so Paul gets loud. You don't have a right to be here. Funny you should mention, says Michelle. And then they realize his all of his secret identities and the fact that he's actually the only one doing anything illegal. Yeah, because he's he's got a lot of warrants. He's got warrants. He's the one that takes care of all the dirty work. And she all she does is marry the guy. So she's, you know, free and clear. He runs... With with everything going on, the little scheme, they you'd, you'd think they'd not be married to make things a little bit more easy. No kidding. Well, let's make this legal so it's a whole lot harder. And so they and so you're because if, if we're if we're married, then you won't actually be legally entitled to it. But if you are married, then it's a whole lot more difficult because you are actually married and they have to go through like an annulment process or some kind of investigate. Yeah, it's just yeah, smart criminals always get married to make it harder for themselves. So he runs, trips and falls onto one of the cars in the crash test. While he falls, he knocks the switch to run the crash test. 
He gets launched from the car. This is this is one of the worst slapstick beats in the movie, I'd say. Thank you. Because if I mean not to not to nitpick. Oh no! Please do a, a movie, but he's on the car going at the wall for the crash test. If the car stops, he's still going to go flying into that wall, just not the car behind him. But in the movie, he basically flies at a right angle away from the car into a seat compression test, basically, and gets a large weight dropped on his sack. It gets a large sack dropped on his nuts. It's it's all for the hit the hit in the crotch joke. Correct. There could have been a much better setup. It it was not the best use of slapstick or a good end to a joke. I'd say. No, they they could have, and, and it was all to set up the joke. Oh, the the Zelensky's. The Zelensky uh, the, line. The little limerick were... about send him a send him a card and and a bottle of, a bottle of champagne on ice. Here, get drunk on me, kid. Uh, use the ice to ice down your marbles. Uh, your frenzy. Yeah, something like that. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, and and that and that wasn't even that funny. Like, it was just they were they were they were swinging hard for a cheap, you know, kicking the nuts joke, so to speak. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know if if that was in the original script. If that was something that the the studio would have mandated, like we need a nut shot. Like, why do we need a nut shot? We need a nut shot. They're funny. Uh, you know how mandates come down to things like that. They're just like, oh, we need this in a movie. Like, why? I, well, and that was so, I mean, that was such a 19, mid-1990s, like, joke. It's the only one in the movie, though. That's true. Well, it's not like it's yeah. a whole full of, full of, full of nut shots here and there. Or it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of physical comedy, but. True. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they threw it in there. It seems like. It, uh, really lazy to me and what a a bad spot for it at the end of the movie yeah so Zelensky and beverly run off yeah the the still married beverly the the nutshot didn't didn't void the marriage uh no no but she looks over at him and realizes ah that guy's gonna give me a lot of trouble why don't i just walk away from this while i can and- yeah well it's like well he's he's got a lot of priors he's gonna be in in prison maybe you could get that divorce happen and i'll just marry Zelensky and be happy yeah or they're setting up Zelensky to be the next scam. I, I'm, yeah, but I mean, right under his nose with everything else going on. Fair. Yeah. Maybe she's just done with it because it's not paying off. Right. But after this, what we go to Tommy in the boat again? Nope. He gets his kiss first. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, from the yeah. from the the the, the well thought out and well played love love arc that went through this movie. The almost non-existent love arc where the only reason we know she's a love interest is because they told us and they had two scenes. They had three scenes together. Yeah. This is my office. This is a boat. <laughs> this is what's going on with the company. Basically, it was we met her, briefly saw her at the wedding. Was she at the wedding? Yeah. She, okay. she said, a, said a little something into the camera. That oh, was okay. her one line at the wedding. Okay. And then, yeah, they did in the boat and then... Nothing with them together. Until he yelled at her, messing up all the shipping information. He did call her on the phone while they were out of town. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess the thing was they were supposed to be talking on the phone while they were on the road a lot. Yeah, they kind of, they kind of put that out there. I don't think that got conveyed too well. It didn't. It kind of, it happened one time, and then that's like they forgot about it from there. <laughs> Oops! What do we do? Have her kiss him. Okay. 
well, yeah, it's the end of the movie. He saved the town. He saved the company. He got the girl. Then he's in a boat and gets some wind. Nope. Nope. He's announced as new president of Callahan Auto Parts. Oh, okay. So. And. Uh, I keep jumping ahead. <laughs> you do. That's, I wrote down. That's, I wrote it down scene by scene. And so, yeah, he's making his big old speech. He's talking about how long he's known everybody. He's. Yeah. I won't. I won't get into all the stuff there. But there's a, there's a, there's a pretty good joke in there that hits twice. <laughs> um, it's. It, <laughs> you know, he's, he's talking about everybody. Yep. And you know, God, it's yeah. He uh, R R T. You know, I lost my virginity to your daughter. <laughs> and the, it's just the, the guy who's angry at him through the whole movie. You're just gonna say that to him right there. Yep. And then he fires. He's like all pissed off. And then he adds to it by going, Rob, who is standing right next to the guy, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that joke was pretty funny. <laughs> it's it's what I've been laughing at this whole time when you brought up the, the speech. <laughs> yeah, it's oh it's so good. It's and that and but it's it's true to Chris Farley fashion of like how he he makes the big joke and then his his follow-up joke uh is is almost funnier than the joke it's the first joke itself yeah it's it's usually more subtle usually more thought out it seems like but it it hits harder because of the setup of the first joke but i i wonder is it is it planned out or was he was that joke that first joke in the script and then he saw the that they were just standing together and he just is like you were there <laughs> just screwing around and they just they went with it right well i wonder how much input they had on the script maybe we'll have david spade on the show oh i mean we could watch the movie with commentary <sighs> who's got time for that kind of editing i don't know we've got another movie to watch after this one <laughs> we do we, well, we have a long line of movies to watch after this one true am i picking the next one uh we'll we'll worry about that off air oh okay so we won't announce it on the end of this no, if we were going to do that, we should have picked it before we started. Well, I've got one in mind, but... All right, well, let's finish the movie, and <laughs> we'll see how this plays out. I am, okay. I am loving how this is going. People are, go either, people are either going to love our style or hate it. But I promise you, listener, <laughs> baby... We, we, we are susceptible to adapt and change, uh, if need be. We're, we're, we're here to have fun. And we're here to be fun, and so we will take your feedback seriously. Anything you got for us. We're not professional podcasters. We are just two guys who love talking about movies, and we want to share that with people. So that's what we're doing. Anywho, we are now with Tom in the boat. Yay, the boat. Boat I've been talking about for 10 minutes. <laughs> yes, you've been trying to get to the boat. You skipped a scene to get to the boat. I did. What do you have to say about the boat? Um... I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, it's the wrap-up of the movie. It's Tommy on the boat talking to his dad, talking to just himself, what, what's out there, just reflecting on his, his journey from where he started to where he's been, where he is now, how things are going with the company, and just, and then he gets that wind so his boat can sail on. It's supposed to be his dad. Well, I, yeah, I know. Symbolism, just making sure. Yes, the symbolism. Oh, yeah, his, his dad is like, here's the wind, boy. Go, be you. And, and I don't know if it was just a fluke, but when he's talking, when he starts talking to his dad about getting some wind to help him out, like right as he says dad, a fish jumps 
Oh yeah. And it goes to the wide angle, and a fish jumps. And I'm like, is that is that just <laughs> random, or is like that some kind of like is that symbolism too? I don't know. <laughs> a fish. I noticed it, so it, we could say symbolism. Maybe? maybe could be. No, I thought that was a great wrap up to the movie. Yeah. It was it was a good end scene. It was a good. Um... It showed the character development throughout. That like now we see that Tommy actually takes time to reflect and and think, and that he's grown up quite a bit. And roll credits. Yeah, that was our that was our our first movie on Watch It, Bro. That was yes, and that was Tommy Boy, a classic. A classic. I call it a. I guess it's not really. Well, it's over twenty five years old. It's a classic. Um, I mean, is I don't know if we're playing flat. I mean, we're definitely playing fast and loose with the word classic, but it it is a quintessential nineties movie. It it fits in that time period. It has similar beats, similar comic structure. I will definitely watch it again. I oh, I, for didn't, sure. I didn't didn't dislike it. It's not as I I didn't find it as funny as I used to, but it was still enjoyable. I had a good time watching it. I did too. And it's definitely, to what you were saying, I will definitely watch it again. I definitely think I'm going to talk about watching it again more than I'm actually going to watch it again. It's one of those movies where you mention it and you're like, you, you don't really think about watching it until you're talking to someone about it. And then you're like, oh, watch that again. It's been a while. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. It It might be one I talk about consider watching again like i'll watch that again but i i hadn't seen it in 15 plus years where we watched it 30 plus times growing up i mean yeah we watched it we rented that a lot why did we never buy it because aunt lisa had it we borrowed it from her oh that's right okay yeah yeah it was the same with like wayne's world too she had all those like saturday night live movies and when she lived with us we watched them all the time so yeah thoughts thoughts on um on Tommy Boy as a whole. Thoughts on Tommy Boy as a whole. Um, like like I said, it it's quintessential nineties. It it's it fills it's it's of its time. I still think it's funny now. Not as funny as I did, but it it's still it's still funny. Definitely some dated humor, but not as much I mean as as far as dated humor and offensive humor goes, I would say this is on the much lighter side of dated humor from the nineties. Versus some other movies where you're like, oh, geez, that was that was in bad taste. There's not a lot of that in there. Yeah. And going going, I I thought before I had watched it again, I thought there was going to be a lot more rude humor in it. And I was I was really relieved that there there wasn't nearly as much as I thought there was going to be. And. You know, I, I, I take it back because I said I said this before, said it before that there was no other nut shots in the movie. And there is one, but it's done better with the electric fence. He pees on the electric fence. That's hilarious. Yes, but it's still a shot to the nuts. <laughs> no, it's that's that's a different category completely. Ah, uh, no, that is not that is not a nut shot. That is that is still junk related humor, but is done much better than the the airbag or the 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 weight bag. It's it's funnier because it's not just. I guess it's it's a more complex. Exactly, it's a more it's it's a more thought out and well done junk shot. Yeah. <laughs> I, and if you told me that we were going to be critiquing that kind of humor, I would never would have believed you. 
<laughs> and that's how we end the show. Uh, no, please no. don't let that be how we end the show. <laughs> we we can't end it like the movie on a nut shot. Um, no, no, we can't. <laughs> uh, I do look forward to doing another Chris Farley film down the road. Okay. Just to see what changes, what what's different. I mean, when's the last time you saw another Chris Farley movie? Because I would I would say it's been fifteen to twenty years since I've seen anything other than this. I've seen every Chris Farley movie within the last five years. Okay, so it'll be different for me. Yeah, it'll be a lot different for you. After I got married, we sat down and we've been watching movies and shows together and just kind of like comparing. Okay different movies and like what movies did you watch growing up oh i watched these like i like chris farley <laughs> beverly hills ninja was all right it was definitely not as funny as the first time we saw it almost heroes way funnier than the first time i saw it black sheep hey there's gary Busey. like gary Busey was a black sheep yes oh okay that one i have not seen since the 90s i don't think i watched actually watched it that first time you have to okay we're, I, that, I, I was going to say we're going to do Almost Heroes my next time we get to a Chris Farley film. And I'm not saying we're doing that as our next episode. I think we need to do uh, Black Sheep as our next Chris Farley film whenever we get to it and compare it to Tommy Boy. Okay, because that, that's, that is Chris Farley and David Spade again. Again, yes. One year later. Playing fairly similar characters, if I remember, but it takes place in... Garfield County of Washington, right? It takes place. It start. It starts in Buckley. It, it, anyway, it's a local movie for us. Yes, it is. Which has always made me happy when stuff when stuff is is in Washington or, or the Seattle area. In the Seattle area, because you know nothing ever takes Seattle so unknown. It's it's always <laughs> it's not unknown, but <laughs> I know the, most settings are usually New York or Chicago or L.A. Right. Yeah. The the three mains. Yeah. Oh. And then uh, San Francisco and then Seattle. I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I think we covered everything. In complete depth. Depth? Maybe not depth is the right word. We've been going for two hours. Yes, I know. It, well, it'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll shorten up, trust me. <laughs> uh, we're getting close to the two and a half hour mark. It'll shorten up, trust me. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But I think that's it. That's it. Okay, so what's the next movie you were thinking? Well, I think we should do something completely different, and I want to say we do Tremors next. Tremors? Yes. I have to get a copy of Tremors or find it somewhere. Is it streaming? Uh, it should be. If not, we will make that happen. I'm sure Dad has a copy. Uh, no, I think I have Dad's copy. <laughs> of course you do. Well, it's, it, it was the CD pack that had all the first four movies. Okay, yeah. Now there's seven of them. Oh, geez. But no, I, I think I think Tremors would be a good one to watch. Okay, so, well, Tremors it is. Episode two will be Tremors. All right. And then we'll plan this out better for when our Tremors episode, we'll have a third one all lined up, decided. That'll be good. We can just go back and forth picking movies. Yeah, that works for now. Next time will be yours. Okay, that sounds good. Well, <laughs> thank you all for joining us, those of you who did, and stuck it through to the end. Uh, shout out to Nylor, who took care of our intro and outro. Our intro title is Grace. Our outro title is Haven. As I stated earlier, you can email us, watchitbropodcast, gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, at watchitbropod. And 
that wraps it up for today. Thank you for watching.